Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Wednesday, September 30th, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, uh, the summer of promise for our Philly teams is turning into a fall of empty hopes with the Eagles as the last hope. And it's a good thing the NFC East is awful right now. And I got to tell you, I'm not feeling so good tonight. Physically, I got a little cold. I feel a lot like the Philly bullpen, and you can fill in the blanks from there. Well, you told me you weren't feeling well, so just in case it might be COVID or something, I thought I should wear a mask. But you know what? We're socially distancing. You're 60 miles away, so I think I'm safe. Uh, Yeah, you mentioned (laughs) the Eagles. It's been awful. The NFC East is awful, and maybe that's the one thing that is a positive for the birds right now. They're 0-2-1, yet they're just a half game out of first place. So we still know they have to play a whole lot better if they want to legitimately contend for the division, even if the winner is going to end up with, you know, eight wins. Uh, As for the Phillies and that awful bullpen, well, that's a whole nother mess, and we're going to get to that a bit later on. Well, hey, how about getting a tie on Sunday and winning the week in your division? How's that happen? That's pretty pathetic. That's what that is. <laughs> uh, hey, they're only a half came out, like I said, 0-2-1. So anything is possible with the NFC least. And by the way, Bill, happy International Podcast Day as we celebrate the power of podcasts. How, how about that? And uh, show number 307 for us, right? Yeah, 307, six and a half years. So we've been doing it for a while and having lots of fun with it. Well, I thought we would have got some sort of special invitation or acknowledgement that it was uh, National Podcast Day. It's in the mail. Check's in the mail. All right. Well, hey, we got a great guest tonight. DelcoTimes.com Eagles writer Bob Groats is making his first visit to Philly Press Box Radio. And our buddy Freddie Burns, he's got a little personal issue tonight. He's got plumbing problems, so he's <laughs> he's had to pass on us tonight. But we have Bob, and we're uh, excited to have him for the first time. We're going to talk Eagles. Yeah, Freddie can't be with us tonight, but he does have some fantasy picks for us and uh, his predictions for the Week 4 NFC East game, so we'll get to those later on. Uh, we're going to talk first, though, with Eagles, and as you said, we have a great first-time guest, so let's do it, Bill. 
All right. With that, let's welcome Bob Grotz to Philly Press Box Radio. Bob, thanks for joining us. Hey, great to be here, Bill. Chet. Hey, Bob, uh, it is great to have you join us. Uh, our thanks to Dancing Jane, by the way, for connecting us. Uh, I know she's watching. She's a big yeah. fan of yours. Uh, so I got to ask you, are you enjoying this Eagle season as much as the rest of us? Yeah, I, I figured it out. If, if they get 13 more ties, they have a chance to win the division. <laughs> so they're, they're going to be right there. Oh, man. It, it you is know, it could happen. Yeah, it 2020. is. 2020. People, I hear people complain about no fans and, and the Eagles don't have energy in that. And uh, sometimes I thought about it. I did a couple of Phillies games, seven for a baseball writer, and same thing, no energy. But, you know, everybody's playing with no – nobody has fans or very – in some cases very limited. So I don't, I don't buy that. I, I just think that uh, – I have a feeling they're injuries and uh, they weren't really ready for this season. And um, that big factors – this Absolutely. has been a key topic after weeks one and two, and again after the third game, that wonderful tie with the Bengals. What is going on with Carson Wentz? Because he's clearly not the guy that we saw in 2017 or even over the last month of 2019. What are you seeing in terms of why he's struggling so much? Yeah, he's. Uh, and this came up on a conference call with Lane Johnson, believe it or not. He was asked about the screen passes, why they're not working today. And he says, uh, I think maybe we're tipping something off. And I felt the same thing. When Wentz is out there, I don't know what it is exactly, body language or something, but formationally and situationally, they're, they're reading him like a book. And, and they're there before the Eagles receivers are there or he's there. The, the, that's how you get uh, six picks, you know, the fumbles, another thing. But, uh, well, one of the, the passes was, was tipped. But uh, that, that fine-tuning that he, he obviously needs fine-tuning in the offseason to make it work. And the other thing, Chet, is you got a bunch of guys that uh, – the, the, the other guys that aren't the primary targets or, or the players on that play, they're, they're not doing their assignments right either. And it, it's not creating space for the other receivers. It, it's really fundamental stuff. And I can't blame this all on, uh, on Doug Peterson because they, you know, his staff, he, he has technically he has final say on the staff, but he doesn't really have final say, if you know what I mean. And we found that out with Mike Rowe. So He's got a bunch of new guys on the offensive staff. The, the defensive staff, there's a bunch of new guys. And in this age of COVID, where you can't get together and bond, it's, it's killing them. They're, they're not doing a good job. Well, and Bob, speaking of the receivers, you know, he, he doesn't have Alshon Jeffrey. He doesn't have Deshaun Jackson. He didn't have Rager. He didn't have Goddard. Uh, you know, he's basically got the same guys he ended up with last year, which everybody said these guys were a bunch of, minor leaguers basically uh but that's what we're starting the season with this year and not to make excuses for Wentz but you have to work with these guys you have to know routes have to know timing have to have things going no camp no results absolutely and um I, I think uh I don't know if you guys watched the Monday night game the Chiefs in Baltimore but uh the the TV crew did a great job of just talking about the assignments of other guys on certain plays and how the speed guy clears out one side of the field. That, that's what they're not getting. And uh, Deshaun, uh, you know, 32 years old, he's going to be 33 in a couple months. You kind of had to figure that you weren't going to get a lot from him this year. He's on a pitch count. And, um, and you've got some issues on that offensive line, too. That, that makes it difficult, especially up the A-gaps. Brand-new guards, the, the strength of that team was, uh, was really, even when Lane 
I mean, Lane is, has, is just a tremendous tackle, I think. But it was Kelsey, it was Ciamalo, and it was Brandon Brooks. And Brooks was an all-pro, and Kelsey made all-pro. That's the strength. The, the pressure is coming up the A-gaps, and Carson Wentz doesn't deal with that really well. So, And, and he's been, you know, his footwork and stuff, I, I think when he gets pressured, everything, all the mechanics are out the window, and uh, you're back to, to playing on the playground. You know, watching DK Metcalf the other day makes us remember that we drafted J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. He's been something of a bust his, you know, one-plus years so far. Ten catches last year. He's been invisible this year. We heard he had such a great camp, but uh, that's not translating to the field. Why not? Yeah, it looked like he did have a great camp. And I'll, I'll raise my hand, and, and uh, I'm guilty of, of saying he had a great camp. I thought it was really good. And Wentz was throwing the ball, too. There's... I don't think there's any trust between those guys after that interception yeah. that, uh, that went through in the, in the direction of, uh, against the Rams. He threw it towards our Sega, our Sega white side. And uh, I, I, for the life of me, I, I think it's both of their faults. I've been, it's been explained to me that it was white side's fault. He didn't make the right moot cut at the end of his route, but uh, he, he has no trust in him. And, uh, and he's a possession type guy. He's not real fast. Every time I look at Metcalf, I think the same thing that you do. And, uh, and I did that all last year, the two games that they played last year, the guy, he, he killed the Eagles and uh, he did have some injury concerns. The Eagles were interested. They went with a safe pick and, and it's just been a tough go for him. I don't, I wouldn't give up on him, but I don't know if his future is going to be with the Eagles. And, uh, and, and it's, they're kind of moving in the direction of, of Quez Watkins who returned to practice today after being out for, well, he hasn't played all year, but, he strained a hamstring. Now, I got to warn you, Chet, he's another guy that I thought had a solid camp, a training camp. So. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yep. Hey, hey Bob, today the uh, the injury report came out. Uh, it looks more like a roster than an injury report. I think there was uh, 12 non-participants and another four or five light-duty guys. Uh, how, do you, how do you staff up for, for Sunday when you're not practicing? Yeah, I, I looked at that list and I thought, you know, they, the media only gets to watch uh, 20 minutes of the practice, but uh, I, I really wondered how they were going to get their work done today. Um, there is a little bit of good news from that. The, the three offensive linemen that were listed on it as uh, with illnesses, it's not COVID. They'd have to go on a COVID list, and uh, that was confirmed through the Eagles. So, so I guess that's good, good news. We're getting towards that season, I guess, with sore throats and runny noses and all that. But the other guys, Fletcher Cox, that, that's still a, a concern. Him playing with an abdominal injury. Played great last weekend. And, uh, but I don't know how long he's going to be able to do that. And, uh, and some of the other, you know, you got some of these guys like, um, I mean, JP, I think they had illness for him today. He, he was just exhausted, Jason Peters. So, I, you know, I have a feeling something deep down inside of me is saying that we could see uh, Jordan Mylotta out there at left tackle, not to start the game, but to to rotate in. I think they're going to. I think they may go in that direction because they know that uh, JP is wearing down. He gave up a couple of bad sacks. So that you know that injury list. Yeah, I, I don't know why. It seems like the Eagles have all the injuries for whatever reason. They changed medical staffs like every year for the past four years, and that that's not doesn't seem to be the problem. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, except one thing, you know, when, when you're losing that, that list tends to grow <laughs> the injury list. It really does. <laughs> and, uh, and I think guys are, 
are more reluctant to uh, to uh, less reluctant or more reluctant to play if they're you know if it, if they're not if the team isn't doing great. Hey, the other big question uh, after the game on Sunday and into Monday with Doug Peterson. Why punt the football with 19 seconds left and settle for the tie rather than try a 64-yard field goal or try to convert a fourth and 12 and, you know, make it a little closer field goal attempt? What would you have done if you were Doug, Bob? Yeah, I would have gone for it on fourth and seven. But uh, I'm really using hindsight here because I was thinking the 59-yarder, I'd like to see it. And um, I also heard Dave Phipp, the special teams coach, say that there's only been one 64-yarder in the history of football. So... Do you think it's going to happen twice? Uh, what are the odds? Uh, probably not that good. And um, I, I kind of, you know, I, I feel a little, I feel bad for Doug having to, you know, with all those analytics guys and all those other coaches around him, you know, the decision comes down to them. And I don't think anybody really knew what, what the right thing to do there was. And, and that's a sign. That's not a good sign either. You know, they're not real decisive. So uh this staff, there, there are some problems here. Uh, this is going to have to be addressed. And something interesting Doug said today that about Carson Wentz, he said he has confidence in it, in him, and he says, we're in it together. And he's right. I mean, <laughs> Carson, I mean, if, there's, if this season doesn't work out and it sure doesn't look like it's going to be like that, especially when you're at San Francisco, then at Pittsburgh, and then you come home and play the, the Ravens, they could easily go, you know, oh, Oh, five and a one to start. So if, if you're, if you're in it, I mean, if you, if, um, if they're going to get rid of somebody to make a scapegoat of this season, it's not going to be Carson Wentz. So, I mean, uh, those two are tied together and, um, and really um, people expect Wentz to play better. And I, I don't, I don't see how he can play worse, but I think he's got a, I, I don't know whether I would call it confidence, call it whatever it is. There's a big problem there. And, um, and I don't think it's the kind of thing that's going to go away in, in one week, two weeks. Hey, Bob, uh, two, two things. One, my, my personal opinion, I would not have given the ball to the, to the Bengals on the 46-yard line. If they miss that field goal, he throws a 12-yard out, kick the field goal, you lose. Now Doug Peterson is the village idiot. So I, I certainly would not have done that. It was especially giving them the ball on their side of the field like that. My other thing, uh, you mentioned uh, the COVID. Now we've got an NFL game canceled this weekend for the first time. Uh, do you know how do they have the schedule set up? I, I saw where they may po- try to play that on Monday or Tuesday. Um, there's no, there's only the one open week, and then the chances of the teams being off at the same time is uh, pretty unlikely, probably. So, do they end up if they get more of this? Are they going to have to push the playoffs and push the Super Bowl? No, I don't think not for this game. If if something else happens, you know, if there's more outbreaks, maybe maybe something like that. But yeah, I, I have a feeling they'll play this game. They said Monday or Tuesday. I think it'll be Monday. But if that's the case, well, in either of those cases, Monday or Tuesday, that's good for the Eagles. They'll be flying back from San Francisco, and um, and Monday, you know, you're jet lagged. That day's done anyway. The Steelers won't even have played, so they'll be losing a little bit of preparation. You know that said, they they got an unbelievable pass rush, and um, they they might be able to take the day off and beat a lot of teams. You know, like take take the week off. You know, which is what the Titans are doing. Nobody's allowed at their facility right now. Not not until Saturday, but uh, the the Steelers are really good. And uh, if I I thought the Ravens had a, had a good shot to to beat uh, the Chiefs the other night, well, how wrong I was. Um, 
I think the only threat left in the AFC to beat or to challenge the Chiefs are the are the Steelers. So with that pass rush, so we'll see what happens. But uh, no, I mean I I think this benefits the Eagles in the short run in, in terms of preparation. But uh, I don't think it you know I don't think it's time to to really push the season back. Well, Bob, I'm not an expert on linebackers, but we know that Jim Schwartz has never really put them high on his priority list. And I think that's hurt them a bit this year. Nate Gary has looked pretty bad on several occasions. I haven't seen Duke Riley or TJ Edwards make a whole lot of plays yet. I miss the days of Seth Joyner and Jeremiah Trotter. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it, it really, uh, you look at the guys that they've had through the years and uh, that, had, that have made plays. And you remember Byron Evans was real fiery guy back there too. Yeah, um, you know, it's the pass rush in Schwartz's defense is what makes it work. But uh, the linebackers this year, I, I wouldn't blame this all on them either, but uh, there are, there are some big communications uh, problems in that back end. And, and uh, they're not just uh, the DBs, they're the linebackers too. And I think, I think that's why you're seeing Nate, Nate Gary at the end of every play. He seems to be the guy, he, he seems to be the Barry Gardner of this era, you know, chasing yes. vicious, you know, I don't think it's all his fault though. And uh he had a, a cryptic quote on a conference call and he said he was asked what happened on those, those two touchdown passes against uh, this uh, against the Rams. And uh, you know, the guy had a Higby had a, like a career day. And uh, he said, well, I'm not here to point the finger. <laughs> so I don't think that those, I don't think those two were his fault, yeah. but, uh, but it is the fault of, of the coaching staff and the players alike that, that they weren't ready for that. And uh, they're not prepared. The communication is off and, uh, you know, going up against Nick Mullins this week, it doesn't look like Garoppolo is going to be back. He didn't practice today. I don't think they're in a rush to bring him back. He's got a high ankle sprain. But um, Nick Mullins, you know, they got what they wanted from him against the Giants. Uh, blew them out, and uh, he threw for 340. And and uh, I think, you know, the Eagles better, you know, the, this this back end, I mean, he can hurt you. And Kittle, George Kittle's coming back this week. Yeah. So they're, they're going to have some issues. Hey, Bob, how, how hard do you think it is for these guys? They're professional athletes playing at the highest level, and they didn't have camp, not much of physicality anyway. And in the case of the, uh, uh, the Steelers and the, and the uh, Titans, they've got the week off. They're going to not work out and then be expected to play high, high level. As we saw, the injuries have just bombarded this league. It's a battle of attrition to start with. It's even worse now. Yeah, I, you know, I, I've always thought, Bill, that the preseason was worthless because the, I, I've always felt like the, the starters barely play, you know, they, and they don't even play at all in the, in the third or the fourth game. And, uh, but, you know, Dick Rubio is one of those guys. He was on a show the other night and Dick Rubio was saying that he thinks that guys, um, you know, they, they're, he didn't say they were soft, but he thinks that they really need that contact like you did. Uh, like you just said. So uh, I think, you know, I'll, I'll defer to you guys, you know, maybe I've always thought that you just need to be ready for opening day, get out there. But uh, you know, the, the rash of injuries and uh, it seems like the Eagles have more than other teams. I don't, I don't know what that's about, but uh, the way that this, this is happening. Yeah. I, you know, the COVID thing too. I mean, this is, this is really a, a un, uncharted territory with this. I don't, you know, I, I think some of this is, you know, I think the, I don't know if it's created some kind of doubt, but uh, you know, these guys, I, can you imagine, you know, like 
you go to work every night and uh, you do what they used to do. You used to go out with the guys after work and you bond and stuff. And you, you, all, you, you can only go home and then you got to make sure that your wife or your kids or your, your roommate doesn't give you COVID. I mean, and how long could you, how long could you take that? You know, like those extra reps, you know, like, I mean, that would get old. So I, you know, I think maybe there, some of this stuff, I, you know, I almost, you know, I, I kind of, I feel for the, the guys a little bit, you know, they're trying to work their way through it, but uh, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same way for everybody. So, and it's how you deal with this. And, um, and right now I, I Doug Peterson's right. They're not a very good football team. And, uh, and they're, they're not a very good coaching staff. Hey, Bob, you mentioned uh, the show with Dick Vermeil the other night, you and Merrill Reese. It's the Pro Football Report on WBCB. How long have you been doing that with Merrill? Well, oh, three or four years now. Yeah. And he's, he's a great interviewer. You are too, Chuck. You're, you're right at that same thing. Yeah. And Bill, <laughs> he should have him on the show. So, well, he was on your show, right? You yeah, know, every he, year. he has this, he has a back for, for getting something uh, kind of hidden out of, out of uh, his guests. And I think he did that last night with, with Ramil. And uh, the, the part that I liked the best about what Ramil was saying about quarterbacks and that was if he was, if he was on the Eagles coaching staff, he'd get video of all of Carson Wentz's best plays, you know, all of his highlights, the, the things he does best and he'd show them to him and he'd put those in the game plan this week. And he wasn't saying that they're not doing any of, of his top plays right now, but that's what he would do. And that makes a lot of, that makes a lot of sense. That, that would be different. So, uh, and who knows, you know, Doug Peterson could be doing that right now. And Bob, one other thing I wanted to ask you, Howie Roseman's getting a lot of heat in town uh, this week and last week. Um, is he at fault or is this thing going to get straightened out? Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of early in the season. I mean, a lot of it, it's fashionable now to say that he didn't draft anybody any good, but it's hard to tell how good the, these players are because of the coaching. And again, I, I'm not laying this all on Doug Peterson. I think he's a really good coach. I don't think he'd win a Super Bowl if you're not a good coach either. And I don't think he's forgotten what he's doing, but he's got so much turnover on that staff. I mean, I, I can't, I, I know for me, I, to, to feel comfortable around the people that I, I work, I have to trust them. I don't know if he's had time to trust those guys yet. You know, obviously a few of them that have been there. So that takes time to, to build on that. But uh, Howie, I think it's early to rip him, but uh, I, and and let's face it, too. We have to be real honest about this. The owner loves Howie Roseman. I, you know, he got him. He delivered Carson Wentz. He, he moved him up the draft. That was just an impossible task. And, uh, and that, that has a lot of cachet. And the owner loves him. He gave him complete control. He has control over that, the players, the draft, the coaching staff, um, the equipment, everything. I mean, you, you can't do anything at one NovaCare way without Howie Roseman having a, a hand in it. So I don't think, uh, you know, if there's, if there's going to be any change, it's not going to be him. Bob, I want to keep you for two more minutes. I haven't done this in a while, but uh, with first-time guests, we sometimes play a game of Fast Five where I hit you with five easy questions and you give me five brief answers. Is that okay? That's good, yeah. All right, here we go. Number one, Bob, who are two or three of your favorite Eagle players to watch over the last 30, 40 years? Oh, last 30, 40. Okay. Well, Reggie White was definitely one. And, um, and I really like to watch Donovan McNabb too. And I, I guess I would go with Seth Joyner. Um, those three guys, you, know, you got all of it. I, I would throw, I'd love to throw a fourth one in Andre Waters, but uh, you know, I'll wait. 
All right. Uh, better coach, Dick Vermeil or Andy Reid? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, <laughs> I got to tell you this. Andy has tremendous plays, but uh, but Dick Vermeil, something the way that he would appeal. I'll, I'll go with Dick Vermeil. Okay. Number well, three, I, a favorite. Hall of Fame, yeah. Yeah, a favorite memory of yours from uh, Veterans Stadium. Uh, a favorite, favorite what? Memory. Oh, memory. Oh, um, uh, do uh, uh, who was it? Brian Mitchell running in for that touchdown early in the game or the, or the Eagles scoring early against, uh, Tampa Bay, the year that, uh, the Eagles were supposed to go to the Super Bowl, the last game at the vet, um, that first touchdown made it seven to nothing. I thought they were going to the Super Bowl. And, um, and that also, my, my worst memory was right there too. Jura Vicious running down the field. Oh, yeah. All right, two more. Uh, having worked with Merrill the last four years or so, tell us something about Merrill Reese that most people probably wouldn't know. Uh, he, he's just a really warm, uh, I, people would know that. Um, he really sticks up for the underdog. And um, he, he goes out of his way to, to make people feel included that are kind of like, uh, that there aren't, maybe like the most popular person or something, but uh, he, he sees value in, in different people and he, he's a, he's warm and he's, he's a, a gentleman to, to just about all souls. And he just goes out of his way to, to kind of make you feel comfortable. Yes, he does. And finally, uh, your favorite football movie, Bob. Uh, I would have to say, uh, hmm, I have to go with Brian's song. You know, I kind of, I, I like Eddie Given Sunday, but uh, you know that that Brian song. Anytime they start playing that music, I start to get choked up. You know, I can't even talk. I mean, that that's one of the all time all time movies. Yeah, Brian's song. Remember the Titans and the Longest Yard are my top three in no particular yeah. order. Yeah, those are all. Those are all. You know, you stop everything you're doing and just start watching them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, all right, Bob. One final thing on the way out. Phil's gonna. Or Phil's the Eagles gonna make the playoffs. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I, I'd say no. I, I think, you know, they're taking an extra team this year, Bill, of uh, seven playoff teams from each conference, but I, I just don't see them making it. I don't see them surviving these next three games. So uh, I, I think uh, like the Cowboys are going to sneak in with an eight. You guys are talking about it too, an eight and eight record. Yeah. All right. Well, Bob, we appreciate you joining us for the first time. Let's do this again. Great stuff. All right, guys. Thanks, All Bob. Right, appreciate thanks. it. Good to be here. Thank you. All right. Hey, Chet, looking for insurance in the tri-state area? We've got the spot for you. All-state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, we do, Bill. One of the best benefits of having an all-state insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. Give Dave a call. He's at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania, 610-430-0700. Again, that number, 610-430-0700. And hey, Bill, a few birthdays I got to mention. Former President Jimmy Carter turns 96 tomorrow. Can you believe that? And check this out. Three different music legends are 85 this week. Johnny Mathis, 85 today. Julie Andrews, 85 tomorrow. And yesterday, the killer Jerry Lee Lewis blew out 85 candles. Now, Bill, YouTube has been giving me a hard time about using copyrighted music clips on our Philly Press Box radio channel. So instead, I'm going to have to sing. So do you want to hear? Oh. 
Do you want to hear Johnny, Julie, or Jerry Lee? Oh, you, I think you'd probably do Julie best. <laughs> the hills are alive with the sound of music. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I thought we were going to go with Great, great Balls, balls of fire. fire. I was ready for Great Balls of Fire, but you wanted Julie Andrews, so you got it. Hey, while you're there, uh, unless you're going to get to it later, we had a couple deaths yesterday as well in the music world. Oh, in the music world. Yes, we did. Uh, Helen Reddy and Mac Davis. You know, Mac Davis was not only a good singer, he was also a very uh, prolific songwriter. He wrote a bunch of songs for Elvis Presley. He wrote, he wrote a song or two for Helen Reddy also, and uh, several other ones. They actually appeared together on his uh, TV show back in the mid-70s, Mac and Helen Reddy. And Helen Reddy, I got to be honest, I loved early 70s pop music and even the stuff by Helen Reddy. You like, you know, I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar, um, You and Me Against the World, Angie Baby uh just a lot of great stuff so and mac davis in north dallas 40 as well yeah that's uh that's number four on my list of movies by the way i know our friend robbie loves it as well very good movie i just watched that again about three years ago and it still holds up i mean you know it's kind of dated but it still holds up otherwise good stuff all right let's uh let's talk about that phillies collapsing down the stretch the bullpen just couldn't get it done jet and uh you know, when you look at the whole big picture, the season was not too awful bad, minus the bullpen. Yeah, we didn't know it at the time, Bill, but as it turned out, the Phillies needed to win two of their final eight games to make the postseason. They went one and seven. They needed to win one game in Tampa over the final weekend against the team that really had nothing to play for. They were you know, locked into their playoff spot. What they do, they get swept by Tampa. Uh, the bullpen over the course of a 60-game season, Bill, blew eight games in which the Phillies had a lead of three runs or more. That is hard to believe. The bullpen's ERA for the season, the worst in baseball, of course, 7.06. You and I talked about this. We watched games, and you got the feeling almost every night, if it was the seventh inning, the Phillies were only up by a run or two, that they were going to lose. And it yep. seemed like that happened all too often. So my question to you, why is Matt Klintak still employed three days later? Well, that's a, uh, that's a big question. You know, he's got a two-year contract, I believe, left. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if they're getting a pass because of the short season. Um, I still say this, and, and maybe I'm wrong, Chet. We said this a couple of weeks ago. They had their bullpen. They were awful. They brought in basically an entire new bullpen, and they were awful. Did they just get awful guys or something else wrong somewhere along the line there? It, it's mind-boggling to me at this point. Well, you know, I talked to Kevin Cooney about this last week when uh, you were off, and I, I said I approved of pretty much all of the midseason transactions that Klintak did because all of these guys that he brought in – had a track record of being pretty good, you know, Phelps and Workman and these other guys. And then they got here and we had this supposedly great pitching coach and they somehow were worse than they were in past years. I don't get it. And something's got to be figured out. So I, I don't and, know what it could be. And Nola and Wheeler didn't win down the stretch either. You know, I mean, this was, this was a full pitching staff meltdown. The, you know, those guys are certainly getting the blame, the bullpen guys. But the, the two aces who had to win just a couple of those games didn't get it done. They, they're not necessarily them individual in their one loss figure, but they lost all eight games that each of those guys started, you know, for each over the last few weeks. 
And that's not very ace-like at all. And this is not the first time for Aaron Nola. Remember last year, he struggled mightily in September as well. And even the year before, when he had a real good year, he faltered a bit down the stretch. So I don't know what it is, but he's got to figure it out. He's certainly got the stuff. Well, and I think that's where it's a little, this where the season's a little bit confusing because on the calendar, it's September. In the pitcher's arm, it's still May. Right. You know what I mean? So it's kind of hard to figure out exactly what happened here. Um, they haven't even hit mid-season stride yet. The season's over, and they couldn't they couldn't get the job done. It's it's a little confusing, and that might be why um, Clintax getting a little bit of a pass. I think Girardi's getting a little bit of a pass too. Uh, he hasn't gotten any heat. Those ten wins or whatever people thought he was going to bring to this club, obviously he wasn't going to bring that many in sixty games. I wouldn't say he brought any. No. Or and, and and the Phils, of course, finished a game behind Gabe Kapler in the San Francisco Giants, who also came up small over the final weekend and missed the playoffs. But yeah, he did not add any wins, that's for sure. And now I'm hearing some theories on the radio that maybe is a financial, it's a financial thing because the Phillies do have, as you said, Clentac under contract for another couple of years. Uh but, you know, you can't think about that. They listen to the fans. We've heard that from John Middleton before. And, you know, if you took a poll of fans, I got to say 97, 98% of them would say Clentac has done a bad job and shouldn't be there. So maybe John Middleton is waiting until he has somebody lined up to take the job. I don't know, but you know, people are going to be very pissed if they bring Clentac back. I'll tell you that much. Well, speaking of that, speaking of the fans, speaking of being pissed, JT Real Muto, D.B. Gregorius. What are you going to do? you got to get these guys signed. They're now going to be in a massive bidding war for Real Muto uh, with probably a bunch of different teams. D.B., he had a nice season, and uh, he's going to be sought after as well. And those are two guys they have to sign. Yeah, they do. And I think uh, Real Muto even more so than D.B., because he is the best catcher in baseball. And yeah, you're going to have to pay him a lot, but I think he's worth it. Uh, you're going to get Bryce Harper in a bit of a feisty mood if you don't bring JT back also. And I see DD as less of a priority because they have a young shortstop who may be another year away uh, coming up. He's like their one good prospect still down in the minors. And you could play Segura at short or Kingry or whatever, you know, for the next year if you had to. But you got to do something to get JT Bumito back here next year, or the fans are not going to be happy. Yeah. Well, and you're probably going to pay an extra 50 million, you know, than you would have paid had you been able to get this deal done before the season. And now, you know, the Yankees, we know they have no limit to what they'll spend. And now Atlanta is supposed to be involved in the Mets uh, under new ownership. Uh, it's going to be a bit more and, I don't know that there's any reason to give a home team discount unless Bryce Harper is just really your buddy. Yeah, he's not going to get a discount. We know that. Um, you got to keep in mind, though, uh, Jake Arrieta is going to be off the books. That's $25 million or whatever that you don't have to pay him. Um, if you don't bring Didi back, you know, that that's some money that's freed up. A couple of the other pitchers, I think, are going to be gone. And, boy, I, I don't know, but – uh, David Robertson's off the books too, by the way. And what a, what a deal that was two years. And what did he throw like 40 pitches and got $13 million or something. Got hurt. So yeah. They will have some money to spend. And uh, I want JT back. And you know what else? I, I heard some people say that maybe it's time to let Andrew McCutcheon go. I think he's under contract for another year, but 
you know, he's not the same guy that he was great teammate, obviously, and he still can play, but I'd be okay if they let Andrew McCutcheon go. Uh, yeah, I would too. I think it's time to get Adam Hazley out there, give him some more work. Uh, he, he's a nice hitter. He's not Alec Baum type hitter, Bohm type hitter, but he, uh, he can hit. I think he's a, he's a big league hitter. McCutcheon's a leader though. And they, they got to have that in the clubhouse and, uh, you know, whether he's the guy or Harper's the guy, I don't know who actually runs that clubhouse, but, uh, you know, I wouldn't have a problem if they kept him. I wouldn't have a problem if they let him go. I just don't know that he's your he's your leadoff hitter is going to hit 250, 245, 250. That's what you got. Right. And remember last year, it was 11 days before uh, they announced that Gabe Kapler wasn't going to be brought back. It was the Thursday of, you know, a week and a half after the season ended. So maybe it's going to take John Middleton another 10 day decision on Clentac, but it's going to be an interesting week and an interesting off season for the Phils. Yeah, and you know, one thing uh, interesting about Kapler, since you mentioned him a couple times, did you see the article where the home plate umpire missed 27 balls and strikes in that one-run game that eliminated Kapler's team? Oh, my God. 27 balls and strikes. They went back. It was so bad, they went back and reviewed it, and they they said the umpire missed 27 balls and strikes in a one-run game. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And just watching the Phillies over the last couple of months – the umpire seems to have been gotten worse this year. <laughs> they miss, I mean, now that they have the box there, you know, at the bat, they miss a lot of pitches. So I, I believe yeah. it. Yeah. And, and those guys, you know, the pitchers are good. They can paint that box and, you know, just a little bit, a little in, a little out is a strike. And when you look at that box, if it hits the box, the broadcasters tell you that's a strike. So yeah, it's tough. Yes, it is. All right. Well, Chet, football season's up and running. Some restrictions are being lifted soon in Pennsylvania. So what is going on at the Irish Rover Station? Well, here's what I can tell you. They still have outdoor patio seating at the Irish Rover while it's warm enough outside. And so far it has been. They also do have indoor seating. Now, although restaurants can technically go up to 50%, in suburban uh, Philly and that whole area, they're still at 25% capacity indoors because there are some bells and whistles that are required to go up to 50%. So they're staying at 25% for now. But as you know, the Rover is a big place. So they are. Uh, there, there's always a lot, of, a lot of tables there, a lot of available space. And of course they do have a great menu all the time and a nice big slate of beers available. And while you do need to order food, you can fulfill that requirement with something as simple as a dollar hot dog. They're open daily for lunch now, and I highly recommend them. It's the Irish Rover, the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. And you can check them out on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. Hey, Bill, do you want me to sing again? Uh, I'd rather you not, but if it's something you feel like you have to do. No, nah, let's not. Let, let's, let's do this instead. There you go. Well, it's fantasy football time without our resident in-house expert tonight, at least Freddie Burns from Edge of Philly Sports Network. But, Chet, you've talked to Fred. Uh, We know he's got some personal issues he's having to take care of tonight. But he did get you his fantasy football ends, right? He did indeed. And I'm trying to call up the pictures. Let's see the the picture with my – yes, the screenshot. There it is. So, yeah, I talked to Fred. And uh, here's what Fred says regarding uh, potential waiver wire pickups for your week four fantasy squad. If you don't have these guys already, if they're available, quarterback Joe Burrow, 
Ryan Fitzpatrick, and yes, Nick Foles. You can talk about Nick if you want. Uh, running back, Miles Gaskin, Carlos Hyde, as he says, Chris Carson could be out. Wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, another guy the Eagles passed on, if I'm not mistaken, and Greg Ward, who, uh, of course, is with the Eagles and could be a big target Sunday night. Tight ends, Jimmy Graham and Dalton Schultz. And uh, there you have it. That's all Fred gave me as far as fantasy. And then he gave me his picks also, which we can get to. All right. Well, let's go ahead and let's hit the picks. Uh, it's a good thing, as we said, that the NFC East stinks. Uh, we got some crazy point spreads coming up this week for NFC games. So I'll walk you through, Chet. Uh, why don't you give Fred's pick and then your pick, and then we'll go on to the next one, okay? Hey, before you do that, let me tell you this. Uh, I found the standings, and I sorted them all out. Uh, Fred and I last week picked five games. We threw in the Packers Saints game as a bonus and we were both perfect except for the Eagles Bengals game, which as we all know, ended in a tie. Fred picked the birds. I picked the Bengals. I really did. And since it was a tie, I counted it as a loss for both of us because neither of us picked a tie. So four and one for both of us last week for the season, Fred is an impressive 11 and two. I'm nine and four. You were one and three. The only week you picked bill. So. You flinched yeah, last well, place. Well, that, that's okay. I'll, I'll end up with less losses than you when it's all Well, that's done. true. <laughs> let's okay, go. Okay, let's go. Giants at the Rams. The Rams are minus 12 and a half. Who you like? I don't think there's any doubt about this one. Fred and I both went with the Rams, so Rams easily. All right, I, let's talk about that just a second. How are you surprised that the Giants are as bad as they seem to be? Well, clearly they miss Saquon Barkley, but I thought they were going to give the Niners more of a battle this past week just because, you know, the Niners lost their quarterback. They didn't have Kittle. And uh, it was in the Meadowlands, uh, San Francisco playing there for the second straight week. Uh, I thought maybe the Giants could give them a battle. I was a little worried about that one. Niners blew them out. So, yeah, I'm a little surprised the Giants are as bad as they are. All right. Browns at the Cowboys. Cowboys minus five. I keep picking the Cowboys. Well, not all. I picked Seattle last week, but uh, I hate picking the Cowboys, but I have to pick them this week. I'd love to see the Browns pull the upset, keep the Eagles, you know, more in that race. But both Fred and I picked the Cowboys to beat the Rams in this one. All right. Ravens visit the Washington Ravens minus 13 and a half. <laughs> yes. The Washington <laughs> football team hosting the Baltimore Ravens. I couldn't and do it. I couldn't do it. I know. And like Bob Groats, I thought the Ravens were going to knock off the Chiefs the other night. I just thought the Chiefs might have a little bit of a letdown. Boy, they did not. The Chiefs look really, really good. The Ravens, though, are still a real good team. Washington is not, even though they beat the Eagles in week one. Uh, 13 and a half points sounds about right. I don't know if they'll cover, but the Ravens will certainly win this game. Fred thinks so, too. All right. Eagles traveling to San Francisco, as we said, for Sunday night football. 49ers are a seven-point favorite. What do you think about that? Well, let me tell you this. Uh, Fred gave me his picks, and Fred picked the Eagles. I had to get back to him. I said, uh, wait, you're really picking the Eagles? He <laughs> said, they are due. San Francisco banged up. So, okay, Fred is picking the Eagles. I can't do it. I have the Niners winning this one, 31-17. Well, I'll tell you, it's uh... – obviously Fred didn't give you that today because he didn't see that roster of injuries that the Eagles have. Uh, and, and speaking of that, I didn't get mention this to Bob, but the, did you notice that the, one of the 
uh, limited participation today was Jason Kelsey, and the reason given was rest. <laughs> well, you know, he's up in his 30s now, Bill. And uh, like the NBA, there's a little load management going on. I mean, heck, they're doing it with Deshaun Jackson during games. And uh, by the way, he may be back Sunday. We shall see. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, and as Bob mentioned, Jason Peters is probably still exhausted from taking 89 snaps on Sunday. But, but Fred, by the way, did give me his picks at 5.06 p.m. So I don't know if you saw the that or if he knew that Kittle was going to be back in the lineup for San Francisco, but he picked the Eagles. We're going with it. I'm not. Yeah. Well, I'll go back to, to the other conversation. I'll say that this whole uh, lack of camp or what, whatever you want to call it, lack of physicality is, is really been huge. It really is. And, uh, you know, for guys to be tired here in the third week of the season, um, you know, you can only run around and by yourself so much. You can't get in game shape that way. And they're still basically playing in the preseason right now. Yeah, they are. But I mean, these guys are professional athletes. They know how to keep themselves in pretty good shape in the off season. They should be, I think, in better shape now than a lot of these guys are showing to be. I mean, even Miles Sanders, according to Doug Peterson, was a little winded in the second half of the game on Sunday. And I mean, he's what, a 24-year-old guy? Come on. You know, well, suck it well, up. Well, I don't know. I don't know it's as much as being in physical, you know, in shape like we think in shape. It's contact shape. It's it's you know, yeah, it's the physical load. It's the whole the whole thing and the nicks and the you know, and the pulled muscles and and those sort of things that are are probably just way more important than just going out running the million wind sprints like Miles Sanders probably can. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, they're going to need Miles Sanders on Sunday because uh, they don't have a whole lot of weapons. He and Zach Ertz, I think, are going to be very busy people Sunday night. And uh, I'd love to see them pull the upset against the Niners, but I, I can't see it happening. Uh, I hear you. Hey, I wanted to jump back on one thing I forgot on the uh, – back to the Phillies for just a second. Uh, do we have a rookie of the year in Philadelphia this year? I don't know when they're announcing it, but Alec Bohm is certainly one of the – prime contenders i know you were raving about this guy you know since they drafted him and he certainly did everything right he still got some work to do defensively at third base but he i think he did get better during the short time he was there and he can certainly hit as you're well aware and he, he's he playing like a veteran already he looks like a veteran big guy and he can hit i like him yeah well you know he's uh I obviously he's got to get around the league a few times, you know, to, to find right. the holes in that swing and all that, but he finished fifth in the league and hitting uh, that's, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. He had a great month of September and uh, I wish some of the other guys on the team also had a great month of September. Maybe the Phillies <laughs> would be on TV right now. One of the eight games that were on today. That's right. That's right. All right. Hey, uh, let's jump over real quick. Doc rivers now available in the coach's pool. Uh, for hire for the Sixers. I think he was in town today. I believe I read he's supposed to be. Right now. Uh, what are they waiting for to fill this head coach position? And was it Doc Rivers they were waiting for? I think he is one of the prime uh, choices for them. I think they're, they were waiting for him to see if he was going to be fired. I know Fred thought Jason Kidd might be a potential candidate too, but they said this was the final guy they were going to interview. So I guess it's between Doc Rivers, Tyron Lue, and Mike D'Antoni. And uh, 
I like Doc Rivers. Now, the downside is, yeah, he won a title with the Celtics back in 2008. He's been with the Clippers the last seven seasons, I think, and he hasn't gotten past the second round. There were some first-round eliminations. There were a couple of second-round eliminations. Hasn't gotten past the second round in his uh, full time with the Clippers. Missed the playoffs one year, but I like him. He, I think he's the perfect age. He's 58, soon to be 59, and uh, I think he's got a good, you know, certainly knowledge of the game, and I think he could help Ben Simmons and maybe lay down the law. Like, you know, you're going to, you're going to shoot or you're not going to play. So I'd love to see that. And uh, hopefully he'll make Joel Embiid continue to mature. So he's my choice. Uh, Tyron Lue will be my second choice. I don't like D'Antoni. There's something about him that rubs me the wrong, wrong way. So Doc Rivers is here. Give him a contract right now. Well, Doc, Doc certainly has some cred you know, as a player and as a, as a coach, he'd been around a long time and uh, you know, as much credibility as young players put into uh, coaches these days, I'm not so sure, but he certainly has. it. Yeah. So uh, maybe we'll get an announcement in the next week or so. I, one of the uh, guys who covers the Sixers said they do expect an announcement within the next week. So that's good. I mean, yeah, why not? They've interviewed three guys at least now. So they should have all the information they need. So get it done and get moving. All right. Okay, Chet, let's take another quick break and thank our friends at PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take the chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia for all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 Lion Razzes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. Check out their Facebook pages. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop, both on Facebook. All right, Chet, great guest tonight and first-timer Bob Groats. Uh, he was good. He, he was really good, actually. Yeah. I, I thought he was excellent. Uh, who do we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sent out one pitch this morning, early this morning. Haven't heard back from him yet. It is a longtime Philly sports guy. He would be another first-timer. We'll see. He has not responded, though, as of yet. So I'll bug him again in the next day or two, and we'll see what happens, and I'll let you know. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to it. We'll be ready to, ready to check it out. All right, Chad, Philly Press Box Radio website up and running. Uh, you can watch his podcast. You can see our Vimeos, current sports articles, some articles we've written, as well as uh, now we have that YouTube channel up and running. Love the YouTube channel, man. Uh, as you said, there are video versions of our shows on there, plus lots of other cool stuff. You just go to YouTube, subscribe to Philly Press Box Radio. You don't have to subscribe, but we want you to. We're trying to you know, build up our permanent audience. It's free, absolutely free. And uh Look, you and I are dressed alike tonight. We have the uh, black with green logo, Philly Press Box Radio t-shirts. They yeah, we are didn't still get the available. Email, did we? We didn't get the email. No, no. It's it's not a dress code. It's just a coincidence. Um, <laughs> yeah, we have them available for sale. We're, we'll still give them to you for 10 bucks. What the heck? And then uh, $7 to ship them. Check them out. You can find uh, all the information on our website. If you have questions, contact Bill or me. We'll be sure to get the shirts out to you as soon as possible. All right. Well, Mr. Chesko, how about a parting shot for you tonight? 
I thought you were going to spoil this uh, before, but you did not. So good. Good for you. All right, Bill, back in April, when you and I reminisced about our all-time favorite Philadelphia Phillies, one of the guys on my list was a fun-loving outfielder who spent four and a half years with the Phils in the mid-70s, hitting 306 with the club during that time. Not only was Jay Johnstone a good hitter and, by all accounts, a good guy, he was also a two-time World Series champion with the Yankees in 78 after he left the Phillies and then with the Dodgers in 1981. And as most older fans like us know, he was also a guy with a real good sense of humor who loved to pull pranks. He would nail teammates cleats to the floor or set them on fire. He cut out the crotch area of Rick Sutcliffe's underwear. He once replaced these celebrity photos in the office of Dodgers manager Tommy Lasorda with pictures of himself and Jerry Royce and Don Stanhouse. He locked Lasorda in his office during spring training. Another time, John Stone and Jerry Royce dressed up as groundskeepers to drag the infield during a game. Returning to the dugout, they were fined on the spot by Lasorda, who that night then asked John Stone to pinch hit. He responded with a home run. Jay came back and wanted to know if he could get a discount on the fine. I don't know if he did. Uh, he was a real character. I met Jay Johnstone back in 2011 at an event, and we talked a little bit about baseball and about him being, you know, the fun-loving guy that he was, and that was a real treat, meeting and talking to Jay. He did some TV work also, hosting a baseball bloopers show, and he was in the movie The Naked Gun. He also wrote three books, including this one, Temporary Insanity, which I read back in the day. Very good. Jay was diagnosed with dementia a few years ago and more recently contracted the coronavirus and he died over the weekend at age 74. So rest in peace, Jay Johnstone. Well, you know, Chet, it's great, great job there. Uh, I kind of had a feeling you were going there and that's why <laughs> I didn't mention it. Uh, and, and we've said this to the listeners many times, we don't practice this stuff. So, no. uh, but I just thought, I knew you liked Jay and, uh, I thought uh, you were going to go there and great job. Good stuff. Yeah. When you, when you mentioned earlier, a couple of deaths and we were talking about Helen Reddy and Mac Davis, I thought you were going to go with the Jay Johnson thing. So you tricked me there. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh -huh. No, I just didn't want to steal your thunder. Speaking of thunder, how about lightning? How about the Tampa Bay lightning ended yeah. up winning the Stanley cup? Surprised at that. Yeah. What, what's the fan base like down in Tampa? Do they really care? <laughs> well, they do when they're winning. Yeah, they do when they're winning. And uh, Fair weather. I think I've said this before. You could go to a regular season game there anytime. And there may be, let's say, 12,000 out of 18,000 people there. Um, anytime. Playoffs start. They sell it out. As they go through, uh, they, they become crazy fans because they get the win. And today they had a boat parade. Uh, with Lord Stanley's cup, Lord Stanley probably rolling over in his grave being toted around in a boat. You know, what stinks. They've won two Stanley cups in the last 17 years. And we're, we're waiting 45 years now for a third flyer Stanley cup. Yep. Well, I'll tell you what, they had the best team. I felt like they had the best team, but I also felt like the flyers were the best matchup for them. And when the flyers yep. got eliminated, the, the flyers would have played Tampa next. Um, when the Flyers got eliminated, I thought pretty sure uh, the Lightning was going to roll. It would have been a tough test for the Flyers as well. They they have some serious goal scoring and uh, serious goaltending as well. So it would have been a tough test, but I think the Flyers had the best opportunity to match up with them. 
yeah, the Flyers played them tough during the season. They also played the Capitals tough during the season. Unfortunately, the Flyers got matched up with the Islanders, who they struggled with during the season and again during the playoffs. But we'll say congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. All right. Hey, one more thing. One more thing. One more thing. Yeah, I got to mention this. It was 60 years ago today, Bill, that this classic TV show premiered on ABC. It was the first primetime animated TV show on network television. I got to tell you, I was a huge fan of the Flintstones, Bill. Uh, I loved all the celebrity characters. Cary Granite, Perry Masonry, Walk, uh, Rock Quarry, Stony Curtis, and of course, Anne Margrock. Yeah, yeah. That was 60 <laughs> years ago, huh? 60 years ago tonight. I, I was actually thinking that that was, I, I remember watching it forever as a kid, but I was thinking it was before we were born or before I was born and then it played its way through. Yeah, no, it ran for six years in primetime. And then, of course, it was in, you know, syndication forever. So uh, I still catch it once in a while when it's on one of the channels and still makes me laugh. Flintstone, 60 years. There you wow. go. Wrap Good it up, stuff. Bill. One last thing. Oh. Today, and this Denny, this is one's for Denny Malloy. Uh-oh. Today is the anniversary of Roberto Clemente's 3,000th and final hit. Yeah, that was 1970. 72, I believe. Okay. I think. Yeah, I don't remember. I know it was uh, obviously the last day of the season, and then he died in the plane crash, unfortunately, on uh, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Right. I'm saying 72 because I think he played in the 71 World Series, if I have my thoughts okay. together. Yeah, he was certainly anyway, one of the greats. One of my, one of my favorite one of the greats. He would have had a whole bunch more hits if he had not oh, yeah. passed away in that Yeah, play. he was still. You can see us live on Facebook or listen on our website, phillypressboxradio.com. On blogtalkradio.com slash Philly Press Box Radio, on Google Podcasts, as well as Apple Podcasts and others. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go birds. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.